Um, but what I'm going to talk about, um, I'm taking into account that we've got some complete new investors uh, to Angle who have not heard the story. So I'll try and give a quick overview of the company. But I'm also going to focus in on a number of key developments that we've had recently. And um, our finance director, Ian Griffiths, will join me for questions uh, at the end. And we will be staying afterwards. So uh, we're happy to engage with those of you who are already in investors and have got uh, detailed questions that they want to uh, address. Uh, so what you see on that slide is an automated instrument called the Parsortic system, which we have designed for the purposes uh, of separating cancer cells from blood. Um, and the reason we've done that is because uh, those cancer cells tell a very important story about how cancer is developing. So each patient's cancer is different and changes over time. And at the moment, the way that cancer is treated is that a tissue biopsy is undertaken on presentation, uh, which is used to diagnose the cancer and then make initial decisions on how to treat it. The difficulty is that the cancer changes over time and then that information becomes very out of date. So there's an absolute need for repeat biopsies. It's very well understood. Um, but the problem is you can't go back and do a tissue biopsy when you've cut out the cancer. So there is no way at the moment in treating patients to do a repeat biopsy. And that means that doctors have to guess. Uh, after the cancer's progressed, it changes from what it was, and the doctors don't actually know um, what it is. So what we've developed is uh, not only this automated instrument, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a minute, uh, but a one-time use uh, cassette, which is called the Parsortics cassette I'm holding up here. It's a small piece of plastic. It costs us currently about $15 to make it, and we can sell it for up to $300. Uh, it's pattern protected and it's a microfluidic device which can recover cancer cells from a patient blood sample even if there's only one cancer cell in a thousand million blood cells. Uh, that's uh, British technology which we are now exploiting worldwide. Um, in terms of the, um, uh, the background to the business, we have uh, got the only FDA clearance. So FDA is the American Food and Drug Administration which is the world's leader for regulatory clearance uh, for medical devices. And we are the only company in the world that has an FDA clearance for harvesting cancer cells from blood for subsequent analysis. That took us six and a half years um, to achieve. And it puts us in a fantastic position because it's a credibility card every time we talk to a potential customer. Now, the, uh, the issue that I mentioned about uh, the need for repeat biopsies is very well understood. Uh, we've just heard about the National Cancer Institute in the United States. And the NCCN in the US uh, mandates uh, wherever possible that a breast cancer patient uh, who has got secondary breast cancer, in other words, it's spread, metastatic spread to another organ, then that patient should have a biopsy of the secondary site. Now, that means it, it may have spread from the breast to the lungs, to the liver, to the brain, or, or to uh, the bones. They're very difficult to access. We're talking about patients who are very sick who are having a general anesthetic, having major surgery to cut out part of their lungs or their liver, simply to get cancer cells to advise on treatment. Um, what this lady on the right-hand side of this slide has shown is that with our system, uh, she's able to recover, she's a surgeon who does these operations, she's able to recover cancer cells from the blood test, which gets her the similar information. Uh, so this is the issue that we're addressing. The, cancer, the National Cancer Institute recommends that every patient who has secondary spread should have a, um, a secondary biopsy involving surgery. Only half of them are well enough to have that. The other half get nothing. And all of them only get one test, whereas actually what you want is a repeat biopsy probably every three months or six months. 
as the cancer progresses. Um, the way that the technology works is that uh, it's a microfluidic technology and the, uh, the blood flows inside that little bit of plastic I held up. Um, the channel's closed, so it has to go left or right, and that takes it up a series of steps. All of this is patented um, in order to separate the larger cancer cells which don't make it through that critical gap from the red and white blood cells which are smaller and they can flow through. So it's a very simple um, and very elegant solution to an extremely difficult uh, technical problem. Um, so all of this is automated. Uh, so we have a machine here. Um, the good thing about this machine is it's pretty small. Uh, it's about the same size as an inkjet printer. Uh, it's very, very easy to use. Uh, we have a technician in our lab able to run 20 of these machines simultaneously, and they take up very small amount of footprint. So it's very easy to multiplex these uh, in the lab. And out of, out of the system comes uh, cancer cells in a small amount of liquid, uh, separated from the blood cells and from the plasma. Those cancer cells are alive, and they're undamaged, and they're in a, exactly the, uh, the right state for analysis. All the different types of analysis you can do with tissue biopsy, you can do with these cancer cells. In fact, more easily than, uh, than you can with uh, some of the tissue stuff. 26 granted patents covering... Uh, all major economic territories in the world and stretching out into 2034. In terms of the way the system works, um, this is just a schematic showing inside the Passortix cassette, blood comes in the inlet, it flows down the channel, uh, all automated by the instrumentation. As you zoom in on the channel, what you see is a series of steps and the blood, uh, red and white blood cells flow up those staircase through the critical gap and away the cancer cells are much larger, much less compressible. They don't make it through the critical gap. The machine senses when that's complete, uh, reverses flow, and reverses out the cancer cells without the blood cell components. Super simple, highly effective. Uh, now, this is a real breast cancer patient's blood uh, flowing inside our device. Uh, this is 100 times magnification under a microscope. Now, that's looking down on top of the steps. So that's the staircase. Here are all the blood cells running up, the single, single cell deep here, which is why it's light colored. That's the exit channel where they're flowing away. So it's uh, a very, very nice uh, system which doesn't clog up. It just it does its job. Uh, and here is a cancer cell amongst all those blood cells held in, and there's probably another one there, just held in the final step, uh, ready to be removed from the machine by the reverse flow. So all of that's very, very simple. Um, now. Uh, we are focused on commercializing this. So the question is, how do you make money out of this system? So you've got to go beyond getting the cancer cells. You've got to get to a point where people can do something with the cancer cells, which is useful. That's the stage that we're at. Uh, we're seeking to sell this product worldwide. And what this slide is doing is showing that we've set up distributors around the world uh, where we've got actually boots on the ground. And I was, I was asking um, my team actually yesterday, how many individual salespeople have we trained so far with these distributors? It's just knocking up just under 100 at the moment, but there'll be many more. So there are people um, wearing out their boot leather in all these different places uh, to sell our instrumentation. That these distributors are just coming online. They're, they're well remunerated, so they get 30% of the sales value, so they can make a lot of money out of, uh, out of selling the instruments and also selling the... Um, the consumable, the password, it's cassette, and extra content that we're developing for things that you can do with those cells, which I will 
uh, talk you through. So that we have two businesses. We have this is the products business and we have a services business. Uh, between the two of them, the revenue in 2023 doubled compared to 2022. Uh, we still consider it to be relatively modest at, at 2.2 million expected for 2023. We're expecting it to at least treble uh, in 2024 as we begin to get into the hockey stick uh, growth. The services business um, is firstly has been designed to support the products business by proving out different things that you can do in our clinical lab. Uh, and secondly, it's to generate accelerated revenues. Uh, so we are working with major pharmaceutical companies um, and we can offer them a before, during and after service for their trials. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that uh, when they enroll a patient in their trial to test a drug, they can do a blood test before the patient starts having the drug, send that blood to Angles Labs and we can assess what cancer cells are present. Then uh, the patient could have the drug uh, and we can do the same thing again. And then afterwards, and potentially multiple times afterwards, um, we can test to see how well the patient um, basically proceeded after having the drug. This is information that the pharmaceutical companies cannot get at the moment. Uh, they don't have access to do repeat biopsies to guide their trials. And instead, they look at overall survival of a group that's had the drug versus a similar group that's had a placebo. That's obviously not nearly as rich an approach um, as, uh, as the one we're, we're describing here. And importantly, we have something called assay development capability. Now, what this means is the pharma company can say to us, we've got a drug uh, that we're developing and it hits this target on the cancer cell. Can you tell me whether that's there? So this is really critically important about identifying which patients will respond to which drugs. And the reason that's uh, valuable to the pharma is that increasingly new drugs are very, very targeted specialist drugs. And they only work if the, if the patient has got uh, the type of cancer that's respected for that drug. Uh, and that's something that the uh, pharma need uh, increasingly in the future. So um, in terms of our pharma business, we announced uh, beginning of last week uh, some very good news that we'd signed up Esai, one of the largest uh, pharmaceutical companies in the world, big Japanese uh, pharma. That is a big breakthrough for Angle. Uh, it's our first large pharma customer. When I say large, we're talking about 4 billion in revenues. I think they've got something like uh, yeah, uh, 10,000 employees. From our point of view, the very interesting bit is this. They've got 80 active oncology clinical trials with 60,000 participants. Remember I said before, during, and after. That's a minimum of three time points. So if they chose to put our system in play with all of that, there'll be 180,000 blood samples, and we can charge up to $5,000 for each blood sample. Minimum charge is $1,000. Um, but certainly with ESI, uh, we're at the top end because we're working on something called HER2, which is a critical protein in breast cancer, and they've developed a new drug called an antibody drug conjugate. It's very, very clever. It takes the chemotherapy drug, and it drops it into cells that express HER2. So the breast cancer cells express HER2. So the antibody part of the um, antibody um, uh, drug there is going to be targeting HER2. So they need to know, does the patient have HER2? Uh, and that's where the angle assay comes in. So we've developed an ability to capture the cancer cells and then to assess the HER2 status. And here are some other examples. Artios is a great company in Cambridge that we're working with. They've got DNA damage response um, uh, drugs and that uh, we've developed for them an assay where they paid us to develop the ability to look for DNA damage on the cancer cells. 
We successfully achieved that. They paid us about a quarter of a million pounds to do that. And now we are marketing that to other pharmaceutical companies. In fact, in a couple of weeks' time, there's a great uh, DDR summit in Boston where there are leading pharmaceutical companies wanting to look at DDR, and we are participating in that. So we're selling it to others. Uh, and then Crescendo Biologics is an immuno-oncology company. There's a lot of good stuff going on there. They're using our portrait flex assay to look at CTCs and clusters. Uh, so I said that uh, getting the cancer cells is only one part of it. Uh, you then have to do something with the cancer cells. And I've been talking about the services that we offer with those cancer cells. Now I'm changing tack slightly to show you a product that we have developed, uh, which we are now selling to our customers. This has only just been launched. It was launched on the 4th of December last year at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. Um, and it was very well received. And what this has done is it's taken the antibodies needed to identify the cancer cells um, and it's lyophilized them down. So we offer a kit, basically, to our customers with all of the antibodies, all stable, all ready to be used. So everyone can have an absolutely consistent process for staining the cells and then assessing what is present. So what we're trying to do is to make this very, very easy for our customers to adopt. So our distributors are now selling... Uh, this uh, Portrait Plus antibody staining kit, and we think that's going to drive uh, increased sales uh, for us. Um, the, again, I mentioned HER2 earlier in the context of services. We're also developing a HER2 assay kit. Uh, quite smartly, uh, we have got a partner in this, which is a company called BioView, and as a result of that, we're able to generate revenues during the development phase. So the very first part of the development uh, is generating 1.2 million uh, sterling for angle in uh, the development side. So uh, now this is the big news that came out at the end of um, uh, the first week in January. So this is what's going to change the way that cancer patients are treated in future. New drugs are coming through which target DNA. The industry has to know what is the current DNA status of the patient. There are new tests that have come through for circulating tumor DNA, which is something called fr it's fragments of dead cancer cells. Uh, there's hundreds of billions of dollars invested in circulating tumor DNA. It's analyzing the plasma part of the blood where there's little tiny fragments of dead cancer cells. What we have pioneered is a first-in-class analysis of both the living circulating tumor cells we can get with parsortics and the dead fragments of cells, which is a CT DNA. And the hypothesis that we went uh, forward with is if you can find the DNA in dead cells, but not in living, then maybe that's not a problem, right? It's being killed. Uh, the immune systems maybe killed it or the drugs have killed it. If you can find it in both the ctDNA and the CTCs, so it's both in the dead component and in the living, then maybe the drugs are working, but they're not yet finished. You've got to keep on going. But the critical bit is, can you find DNA variants which are in the living cells which are not in the dead? If they're not in the dead, the immune system has not got them and neither has the current therapy. And if they're in the living, that's how the cancer is spreading. Remember the cancer cells we get out of the blood are the very cells that are spreading the disease which can kill the patient. So that was our hypothesis that we might, looking at this Venn diagram, find some very interesting stuff in here which might give an indication of how the uh, patient's cancer is actually evolving. How is it that that cancer is evading the immune system? How is it that the cancer is evading the therapies that the patient is on? So that was our hypothesis. Um, and um, what we've done is we've announced the first set of results 
uh, of studying that particular hypothesis. We used the US market leader sequencing platform, Illumina, a company with just over $4 billion in revenue from sequencing. And we used the absolute identical sequencing methodologies for the ctDNA, which we can extract from the blood before we do parsautics. By the way, the extraction makes no difference with the CTC work is just as good. Uh, and then we can do the exact same sequencing on the living cells. So what we found, hey presto, is this is uh, from 47 patients. We found high quality DNA in all samples. That's very, very, very important because the market keeps saying, CTCs, you can't find them in all these patients. Not true. We got good DNA results um, across all the samples. And in 90% of the breast cancer samples and the lung cancer samples, we got actionable cancer DNA variants. So we also did this comparison with the uh, Venn diagram. And hey, presto, the right-hand side did pop up in 70% of breast cancer patients and 70% of lung cancer patients and 60% of ovarian. And these are the kinds of variants that we found in the living cancer cells which you couldn't see in the dead ctDNA. And these are incredibly important variants because they've already got drugs that have been developed by big companies. Look at all these companies, Novartis, AstraZeneca, Menorini, Novartis, blah, blah, blah. These are big companies who have developed these drugs and they've taken them through US FDA clearance based off of their um, tissue or plasma analysis. So what we're saying is, well, hold on a minute. If you can find all these variants, maybe that is how the patient's cancer is progressing. And maybe these drugs uh, could be beneficial to patients. So what this is doing is, uh, it, it is still needs to be proved in terms of benefit to patients. So um, the naysayers will say, well, this is a variant in tissue and plasma. You're going to have to show me that that variant in CTCs, a patient will respond. So obviously, there's got to be more work done on this uh, to take it uh, to widespread adoption. But it's incredibly important because now any company um, or clinic in the, in the world that has already got an Illumina system, there's about an installed base of 3,000 uh, systems, could actually do this themselves now. Because we're showing a methodology for how do you take blood and get this information uh, for analysis. And secondly, uh, there's lots and lots of pharmaceutical companies who are developing clinical trials using ctDNA, the plasma uh, fragments of dead cells, for their studies, for analysis. Every single one of them now is going to have to open their eyes to the fact that there's a lot of extra information if you look at the DNA which comes from living cancer cells as well. Um, so um, I'm going to wrap this up now because I want to get to questions. I know a number of you have got things you want to ask. Um, but just to say, uh, it's not just Angle who's saying this. There are now 39 independent cancer centers who've been using our system, and they've published over 90 peer-reviewed publications, every single one of which is positive, and uh, almost every single one is on our website. Um, and that they've demonstrated that the system works without modification in 24 different cancer types. So we are building momentum behind this new approach, and we expect to see it expanding very fast. Uh, so the near-term uh, milestones, we've got building revenues, both in our services business. So the first large pharma contract uh, was extremely welcome, and we expect that to be successful and then roll out further. But we've got other ones in discussion as well. The content there, the different things that they can do, looking at these different proteins, some of these have already been mentioned today, um, and the DNA molecular, gives them more things to do. So Angle is now providing solutions, not just part of the puzzle, but the whole solution. Um, similarly, product revenues building out with the distributors coming online, and soon we'll be 
making those Illumina DNA molecular protocols available to customers. So we expect to see that taking off. Um, and obviously, the product kit that I described earlier uh, will help drive that. We've had these breakthrough results with the Illumina platform. We're also working on other platforms. For example, the Thermo Fisher platform, which is the dominant platform for the rest of the world. Uh, we're similarly working on that, uh, with a, which has got a very large install base. Uh, those of you who've been following us know that we've been working uh, extensively on ovarian and prostate cancer. We had very, very good results on ovarian cancer with an in-house molecular platform. We're now seeking to move it across to one of these other ones like Illumina or Thermo Fisher. That work is ongoing. We prioritize the, the molecular results um, for the uh, BioDetect, the two DNAs first, but now we are working on getting the right third party uh, system set up. We've got all these samples are already banked, uh, so we can rapidly uh, process them once we've decided on that platform that we're going to use. So later in the year, we expect to see some good results on that. And then finally, um, Angle is putting a lot of effort into our clinical laboratory so that we, we're aiming that by the end of the year, we'll be able to offer tests for patients, not just about patients, but for patients. Um, and that's, that's the, uh, the end of the presentation. Come on up and yeah. take questions. Well done, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. So there you go, Angle, a whole solution provider. I've known you for 10 years, and that's the first time I've said that. It must, it must be a good feeling for you, all that breaking news over the last two months. Uh, it's been a good start. We've got a lot more to do. Okay. Tim. Uh, I think this is a question for Ian, and it concerns funding. I think the last time we spoke, um, probably on the phone, was probably about 15 months ago. And I think I asked you how much you would need to, extra you would need in order to sort of complete your plan and get to cash break even. And at the time, I think you said uh, it'd be about 30 million. Um, has that number gone up or gone down or disappeared? Um, well, we did a raise of 20 million in June 22. Yeah. And um, so it's gone down in that sense. We've also controlled our. We've also um, reduced our costs in some of the areas, recognising the funding environment is pretty, pretty tough at the moment. And um, that includes uh, closing down some of our US clinical lab to focus. Well, we're investing in the molecular side of things in the UK lab yeah. and as a centre of excellence. So what we've done is we've controlled our cost base. So we're still on track for um, cash flow break even around the end of 25. Uh, we've got, we announced with the trading update um, up in November that we've got cash out into Q225. So there is a small gap. We're seeking to fill that through milestone uh, type payments with some of the strategics that we're working with on, um, you know, both the downstream analysis, but also in some of the other areas. Uh, we have historically gone to the market and raised some money because obviously it's a platform technology. It works with multiple cancers. And at the moment, we're very, very tightly focused. So uh, we, we're not quite there in terms of entirely controlling our own destiny, uh, but we are seeking to put in place um, delivery of, of key areas that would uh, hopefully bring in that strategic investment. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll just add to that. I mean, the, the market's been exceptionally challenging. Nobody can, uh, nobody can deny that. Uh, we've taken a number of very difficult decisions to keep the business on track uh, to deliver. We will succeed no matter what happens in the market. Okay. But there is a small chance that we, but you might not need any further funds to get to cash break even. 
Yeah, if we, if we can accelerate the commercialization yeah. on the back of the breakthrough, and, you know, we can't entirely control that. You've heard from some yeah. of the other presenters. Um, you know, we target the biopharma customers for our services, yeah. and they've, they've curtailed a lot of their activities uh, because their funding's been curtailed. So that's not gone as fast as we'd hoped. Uh, but we have seen the product side of the sales are actually pretty much on track, and we're, we're very encouraged with what we're seeing coming back from the, the distributor network and how we can take it forward. What we are seeing, though, as well, on the other side of things, as we bring in things like the BioDetect solution, we are able to get in much higher value pricing. Yeah. And therefore, we think, so you'll recall when we probably talked last time, we were talking about a $1,000 average selling price. Well, now we're getting up into the three, four, five thousand dollars average selling price. So the dynamics are changing, but it's all about we have to keep on uh, producing the evidence and the data to show the value for what you can get with CTCs. As you know, you know a lot of money's gone into CTDNA. We've got to educate the market and change perceptions. Okay, one really quick one. Um, Over the lifetime of the company, how much have you actually raised from investors and how does that compare to the current market cap of 56 million? Yeah, so about 130 million and we're about sort of 55 or it varies up and down. I mean, if you'd asked me last week, we were 80 million. If you'd asked me post FDA, obviously we were a lot higher. So um, the markets have been tough across the board. Uh, We are seeing um, a bit more in the US. Um, You know, there's been some stronger recovery. The UK markets are a challenge. Obviously, we're, we're aim-listed. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, our biggest investors are US investors. And, um, you know, they, um, the depth and knowledge of, of, of the investors in the US, you know, they understand CTDNA, but they also understand what you can do with a CTC because we add the RNA information, we can do the protein information, and we can do sort of morphological. And in particular, we're about the only system that's effective with clusters which you may recall the in, in Switzerland, that's the world, you know, world-leading research there in terms of trying to move cancer to more of a manageable disease. Okay. Thank you. Great presentation, Andrew. Thank you. Um, just coming back to your Japanese partner, and there's 60,000 patients under various trials. If... Um, if they chose to adopt POSOTICS, how would they scale that? How would you achieve it? And, how, and, and from their point of view, how could, they, could it be accommodated? Yeah, so um, first of all, we've got our own lab's capabilities at the moment are um, on a, a standard eight-hour shift. Uh, we can manage 100 samples. Um, as we mentioned, those could be up to $5,000 uh, a piece. So you, you could look at... Um, uh, basically, say, 25,000 samples a year on standard working. Uh, we, Because of the way we've reconfigured in the UK, it's very good that we've got a centre of excellence now, and we do actually have grow on space within the existing capability. We'd probably move out some of the warehousing somewhere else, etc. Uh, so we could easily extend uh, the size of our lab and make it larger. Plus, of course, um, we could work weekends, we could work nights, uh, so there's sort of a three, three to five X on, on that side of things. Um, reality, however, is um, where we get to very large-scale adoption, we don't want to be doing it ourselves. Uh, so what we'd rather do is to train up um, contract research organisations that would otherwise be working with a farmer and um, essentially sell them parasitics machines and consumables, give them training and show them how to do it themselves. So um, 
re really we see our own service lab as an accelerator and a demonstrator. And what we're trying to do is to light a fire so the entire world does this. And that's why we, it seems a bit strange. Why are we worrying about a distributor in China or India or whatever? Well, they've got a hell of a lot of labs, basically, and a lot of business. So if we can get those labs doing it themselves, uh, we just make money every time we sell them a piece of plastic. And on the other side, obviously, we outsource our manufacturing of the cassettes to specialist nano-manufacturer nano in Germany. And we also outsource the um, assembly and manufacturing of the instruments so we can scale up pretty easily. We'd probably add a second source supply for North America in, in that sort of circumstance. Since I've got the microphone, can I have a quick second one? Which is... NBC, <laughs> you've got FDA approval for that, but but not for ovarian or prostate and so on. How does that constrain? Yeah, so I can, I can answer that, Sarah, while you get the next one lined up. So um, the, the clearances in metastatic breasts, that's what FDA recommended. Uh, the credibility and the halo effect uh, works across all the cancers, and you see in the peer-reviewed publications for different types. And the users, if they're accredited clinical labs, they can adopt our system. Uh, as long as we don't say we're selling it to you for lung, they can use it for lung. And uh, what we've done is we've created an identical system to the metastatic breast cancer clear platform, which is we're selling as a research use platform, but it's literally identical with a different label on. So it's up to the user to decide how they use it. If, they if we sell it to them for breast, then uh, they can literally just turn the handle. If they're going to do lung, they've got to make sure that they are happy with the results under their accreditation. But what I would say is that the... the uh Again, when we're talking to the pharma customers, the fact that we've got an FDA clearance, they know further down the line we could be a companion diagnostic and we're going to be much easier to get through the process because we've already got that initial clearance. So depending on what they're doing, they're confident that we can add to that clearance. And the other thing is that the FDA clearance has um, certainly you know, made it much easier to have discussions with said pharma, but also um, with the distributors. It's the credibility of what it provides. You don't, you know, we've not had an immediate sort of you know, big uplift of the sales, but it's, it's, it's working through the system. It's differentiated us, you know, with the leading system deployed in, in Europe. Um, and, you know, we're making good progress in America and other territories as well. Thanks very much. I'm, I'm a fan of your boundless enthusiasm. Um, and I love the product. But what, what if, if you were to do some navel-gazing, I mean, following FDA approval, company's lost sort of 70 80 percent of its value and and also I mean so there's two questions in one but what what's to stop a, a large farmer or, or have you stopped a large farmer making you a knockout offer to and you probably can't say but um, you know to use the, this product as a companion diagnostic do you want me to start you start yeah uh, you're, you're right. I mean, there's been 28 months of um, redemptions from institutional funds. Every single company in the sector has been gone down dramatically, and it's a, it's a very bad reflection of, uh, I, I call it a COVID fallout, basically, because the government's printed so many government bonds that suck money out of the market. Uh, like I tried to say earlier on, uh, we're not crying. We're getting on. Um, we're working out how to run the business in a different, uh, a different uh, scenario. But you're quite right, there is a risk. Uh, a company could come along and put in an offer. If they put in a cash offer, multiples of the current share price, it would be very difficult to resist. Um, we'd have to put forward a very, very strong case, and it wouldn't be that easy. Um, ultimately, um, what we're looking for is the best possible return for the shareholders. And being acquired by a bigger company, as long as it was at value, uh, might be not a, you know, a good outcome. 
Um, we're, we're never going to stay as a small company uh, transforming cancer worldwide. That's just not going to happen. We're either going to be a big company with collaborations with big companies or we're going to be taken out by a big company. The risk is, is the takeout comes at the wrong value uh, and we're working as hard as we can to uh, stop that. And the, I mean, the most obvious thing is to make progress, try and get the share price up and uh, to have multiple relationships with interested parties who, who wouldn't be happy for it to go to one of their competitors. Okay, we've run out of time, but um, as Andrew and Ian said, they're, they're hanging around after um, event close. Thank you very much, the pair of you, and well done. And, um, transformative two months.